Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The show is back. Nick Wilson on Afternoon Drive. Hey there, hi there, ho there. I hope everybody's having... A nice little hump day. I will tell you guys that uh, I've had an up and down day. That's uh, Wednesdays. You're just never really sure what to expect. Had an up and down day. And then I saw the Carolina Panthers uh, introducing Dave Canales to the building in Charlotte. And guys, it gave me a flashback to Hugh Jackson's Here Baby and everybody in Berea clapping and... And, oh, man, we got the guy. Jimmy Haslam got his guy. All right, they got the number one choice. And Hugh Jackson's here. And if you guys have not seen this video, you have to go to at Nick Wilson Says. Of course, social media reactions on X brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. It is, you get to see every kind of person in, in like, the building. And Dave Canales Probably not the number one choice. That was Ben Johnson who went back to uh, Detroit for the second straight year. That was announced yesterday. But former Bucks uh, offensive coordinator led Baker to what is now his best season that he's had in the NFL. Big to do. It's a cool moment. Like I root. Listen, I root. Uh, having been in Charlotte for four years, I root for Panthers fans because that town. Every town deserves a winner, and they just have not had a consistent winner. And Dave Tepper's got, he just does all the things that that young owners do, new owners do in the NFL. And the best part about this video, one. What, throw drinks on fans? What's, well, yeah, he does that too. Yeah. I don't, do we remember when the Pagoulas did that? No, I'm kidding. Only Dave Tepper. As a matter of fact, that's a good point. Dave Tepper is now inventing new owner sins. Um, should the employees there have just thrown drinks on Canales when he walked in the building? I think that would have been one way you could uh, invite him into the the game there, right there. Like, hey, here's the building. This is how we do things. Um, the best thing is that there's a guy. I don't even know the guy. Like, I know a fair amount of the people that work. I'm familiar with a fair amount of the people that work in that organization. There's a guy who I have no idea who it is, and he's just the biggest corporate kiss-ass stooge who, like, you understand, Dave Tepper, he's like uh, he, he's like the North Korea, uh, the, the dictator, where, like, you got to make sure you talk to Tepper first, right? The whole thing is, don't, don't, don't look at anybody else. Dave Tepper's the only one that matters. All right, laugh at every joke, that whole thing. Like, Dave Tepper is the walking, talking epitome of, uh, of, of somebody who needs people to validate his existence, but with their attention. But I digress. This, Dave Tepper's standing back in this crowd, and there's some corporate doof that I don't think we're ever going to hear from again. 
who like is clapping as hard as he can for Dave Canales. And he's pointing to the, the Panthers logo like, this is yours. Yeah, because you needed that guy to say that. And then this guy starts a keep pounding, which if you guys don't know, because I'm not being suggestive here, that's the Panther slogan. That goes, keep pounding, keep pounding. I know, problematic. I got in trouble a lot for making fun of that down there. There's some actually really good origin stories on that, but I digress. And he looks like a male cheerleader. So if you haven't seen it, guys, it's a Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. If you just need a little bit of feel-good fix, the feel-good fix is what a bunch of dorks. And it's a nice reminder how far the Browns have come. Like, I don't think, we'll get into the Kevin Stefanski thing here in a minute. I think we all feel safe with where Stefanski is. We feel safe with where the organization is. But the reality is, one bad season can destabilize about 90% of the NFL. That's just a reality. Until you get to that point where you're the Steelers, where you're, uh, where New England was for 20-some years, where when you have long-term continuity, and it's just not even a question, where one down season or two down seasons in a row isn't the difference between, or, or disappointing seasons, not even down seasons, where where those things never slow you down. Like, it took three years, down years with uh, John Harbaugh, before the whisper started in Baltimore. And then, by the way, they still didn't get rid of him. So that's the kind of continuity where you just, it's not even a conversation. We're not there yet. Hopefully we will be. But watch this video. Remember how you felt when Hugh Jackson was here, baby. Remember 1-31 in 31 and then realize we have come a long way. Because that did. I got. I, I know I was accused of being um, a five-win Browns fan the other day uh, by somebody on the station because I uh, because I completely enjoyed Baltimore falling apart in the AFC title game. I will tell you, I enjoy thinking back to where the Browns were and where they aren't now. I think you can take solace in that, even if they're not winning championships yet. Now, uh, we had Mike Lombardi on in the 4 o'clock hour yesterday. And I will admit, that I had asked him a question that I intended to follow up on that I did not get to follow up on. But I'm really fascinated at how the Browns organization works and how it's going to continue to work going forward. And, you know, last year we had a lot of conversations about, well, whose job was it to fire Joe Woods? Was it Kevin Stefanski's or was maybe there pressure on Kevin Stefanski to make that that hiring or firing, right? Um, Jim Schwartz knew Andrew Barry from Philadelphia. So there was that connection, whether that got him the job or whether it just got him the interview. I, we still, I don't think, no, I don't know that it's that it matters as much a year later, but Jim came in great success, whatever. But I do think there's something we glossed over with the change in offensive coordinator that I think does really truly matter. And I think it gets into the question I asked Mike Lombardi yesterday. And it, I basically asked him whether he thinks a decision to fire the offensive coordinator by the Browns, whether that was purely on Kevin Stefanski or whether that was on maybe more of an organizational decision. Well, I think if you know the Browns, it's going to be collaborative. 
right? You know, I think that's the way it is there in the building. I think that the analytical department will have some commentary on it. I'm sure Deep Podesta will have some commentary on it. I'm sure that, you know, Andrew Berry will. I'm sure Jimmy Haslam and Dee Haslam will as well. But I think, you know, what we lead more than anything in football today is, is as a head coach, as a strategist, somebody to understand how to play the game, what you need to do to win the game. And I think Kevin making this move to, to kind of separate himself from being a tactician to a strategist is a good thing because now you can oversee the game. Now you can go over and help out Schwartz. You can have an impact on the defense. You can have an impact with Bubba Ventrone on the off, on the special teams. You could have an impact with the offense and you could stand in front of the team and you could watch the game. Instead of looking at your play sheet and checking things off, you could actually watch the game and make decisions on the game predicated on what's happening. So I will say, I think you can blur the lines between tactician and strategist. You can blur the line between offensive uh, head coach and offensive play caller and just a guy who came from the offensive side of the ball. You know, like there is an element of this that we kind of have these silos that we throw things into that maybe are a little bit cleaner and tidier than the way they actually work, right? Like you can you can be a good offensive coordinator and you can be a better schemer than you can be an actual X's and O's guy. Or like, sorry, you can be a better X's and O's guy than an actual play caller in the moment. Like nobody had any problem with Alex Van Pelt as a guy who, who, who came up with the offensive game plan. It was the offensive game plan with Deshaun. It is, well, we don't think you're going to be a good play caller, and so we probably should get somebody in there that might give us that option. Those were the kind of things I think went into that decision. But I'll, I'll start the show by asking you guys, does it matter to you who made the decision for Kevin Stefanski to give up play calling? Because I, to me, it does. Because even though this is as much continuity as the Browns have had in a hot minute, four years, I mean, I believe that's as much as anybody has gotten in, in the entirety since 99. I think Romeo got four years, right? So... It like that continuity is great, but the inner workings of the organization are important. The best case scenario for me is Kevin made the decision. And the reason why it's the best case scenario is I think it's really powerful when people in a position of power admit that what they're doing isn't working the way they want to. I think, and I'm not just talking about like, I'm not just talking about like to the, to the locker room, although I think it matters. Like I think about this a lot as a parent. Like, I make sure to tell my kids when dad made a mistake. I, I I try to do my best to own up and say, whew, all right, that tiger out of the cage on that one. Dad said this thing that he should not have said. Or, you know, dad got really frustrated, guys. I didn't act the best way there. I'm sorry. I'll do better. I think it's really powerful when people in power do that kind of thing. So, like, I think the greatest thing that could come of this is Kevin Stefanski goes, you know what, guys? Listen, I, 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 I'm very confident in who I am as a coach, but maybe this is an opportunity. You know, we tried to build the offense around Deshaun with myself and AVP last year. I'm just going to go ahead and make it a clean break. We're going to bring in a new OC, new a couple new coaches, and I'm going to let them call the plays. And then I'm just going to have influence over it, but I'm just going to see, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to empower Deshaun Watson. And if that means giving up a little power myself, during the game or or maybe focusing that power elsewhere throughout the game, I think that'd be the best possible scenario. I think that'd be a sign of maturity. And and honestly, I think it'd be a sign of, of stability. But 
I also think, and I don't, guys, I don't think this is a yes or no. We do the black or white thing in in uh, sports talk all the time, where it's definitively good or definitively bad. I don't know. It's end of times. If it was the organization, the the triumvirate of Stefanski, of Andrew Barry, and of Paul De Podesta that made the decision together, or that a decision was dictated to Kevin Stefanski. I don't know that it's the end-all, be-all. But I do think it tells you how much power Kevin has in that locker room. Or sorry, in that organization. And power ultimately equates to stability. And we already know that there are the Browns are not set up like every other organization in the NFL. With how they roll up to ownership, with how uh, the existence of Paul D. Podesta, that's different. Different is not always bad. They've had more success in the last four years than they have in the previous 20 years. So I'll take the way it's working right now. But I think when we start to think about things like Kevin's long-term security and the kind of pressure, more importantly, it's about pressure. It's not about good or bad. It's not about uh, are you on the hot seat. Those are all, again, big sports talk motifs that have less to do with the subtlety of how pressure exerts itself on an NFL franchise. But I would say, if if this is a dictation, we need you to change your offensive coordinator. I would say that's also an indication that Kevin doesn't have the kind of power you would expect of a guy that has the most wins in franchise history as a head coach since Bill Belichick, a guy who has as many 11-win seasons in his, uh, in his time as uh, uh, any other coach that isn't named Paul Brown. I would tell you the power dynamic is still very much not skewed against Kevin, but there is that 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 trio. Maybe Kevin doesn't have the kind of power you would expect. I think that's very interesting going into what it will be another crucial year for the Browns with Deshaun Watson. Two one six four seven four double oh nine two. Does it matter who made the decision for Kevin Stefanski to give up play calling? Give us a call. Hit us up uh, via tweets at Nick Wilson says. We got Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker coming up at 4 o'clock today. We'll get his thoughts on the play calling stuff. We'll get his thoughts on Ken Dorsey. Obviously, Ross used to play for the Bills. Uh, We'll talk Brock Purdy, some of the criticism there. We got plenty to get to with Ross at 4, the 5 at 5, predictably at 5. We've got the pulse with Keith coming up at 6. But to start the show, we are talking about the decision behind changing, uh, not just play calling, because that's not a foregone conclusion. But it's about the decision to change offensive coordinator and maybe change the approach on offense. Does it matter who made that decision? Because I think you can lead from play calling to the new offensive coordinator and have a very similar conversation. I would like to point out that the best thing to happen in the Browns offseason to this point um, it just happened today. Have you guys heard this? Mike McDonald uh, is uh, leaving the Doobie Brothers and the Baltimore Ravens to go be the head coach in Seattle. If I am Kansas City, I am so thrilled. With what Mike McDonald just did in the AFC Championship game, where in the second half, the defense for Baltimore kept that game close. If they don't tighten up defensively, if they don't make the kind of small tweaks they made in the second half, uh, Baltimore gets boat raced because of the way Baltimore's offense was playing. Um, And that's a good, by the way, if it's good for Pat Mahomes, it's good for the Cleveland Browns. Taking a guy who is that brilliant of a defensive coordinator and moving him off, 
and moving him to another conference uh, and, and certainly moving him out of the AFC North, good thing for the Cleveland Browns. So uh, very interesting stuff there. It'll be interesting to see what the Ravens do as they now look for a new coordinator on the defensive side of the ball a year after hiring Todd Munkin on the offensive side of the ball. But you know, we had the question, does it matter who made the decision for Kevin Stefanski to give up play calling? And kind of a similar answer or similar question is, does it matter who made the Ken Dorsey hire? Right? And I, I, they're, they're similar questions, but they are different, right? And, and by the way, I, I keep saying giving up play calling. I think that's where this is going. I would expect at some point, you know, Andrew Barry declined to answer questions about the coaching staff uh, after they had fired all these coaches, T.C. McCartney, AVP. Um, there's a third one that's I'm blanking on out of nowhere. But the, so they, they fire the three coaches. And at, at his end-of-the-year press conference, Andrew says, hey, when we make the coaching staff whole, we'll talk to you guys again. I would I would be fairly surprised if if they really are intending to, to give the play calling to, to somebody else other than Kevin Stefanski, whether it's Kevin's decision or Andrew Barry. I would imagine we're going to hear that in that press conference coming up, uh, what I would assume in the next week or so, once they finalize the staff. Um. If they, if they don't really intend to, they're going to do the thing that uh, Kevin did all last offseason and what Ryan Day also did conveniently all last offseason, which was, well, I think, you know, if it's in the best interest of the team, they're going to delay. They're going to they're gonna make it seem like that's a decision for later in the offseason. So that's a little bit of coded language to kind of pay attention to on whether or not Kevin's going to call the plays. And I actually agree with Jason on some of what Jason had to say there. Um, I don't necessarily think uncertainty is a bad thing. I know that that's where we go with the Browns because historically, uncertainty is not a good thing. I also think this would be a smart moment for the Browns to give a little peek under the kimono and actually like give you a chance to understand how and why this decision was made and who made the decision. They'll say, well, it was a collaborative approach. When I, If I hear them say it was a collaborative approach, I'm going to assume that means it wasn't Kevin's decision in and of himself. And this, in my opinion, it should be. Like, in my opinion, the best case scenario, one, the best case scenario is you you actually find the best play caller for your offense. <laughs> like, I just, uh, you know, better is always better, in my opinion. Like, doing the best thing for the team at any given point is always the best thing. That's how, that's winning breeds winning, right? Smart decisions breed winning. But I digress. But... Whether it's play calling or the decision to move on from Alex Van Pelt, that is a different conversation slightly than who hired Ken Dorsey. And I have some things, I just have some things that I've heard, you know, listening to every single interview this station or almost every interview on this station about, uh, about Ken Dorsey and the hiring. There are some things that have kind of made me go, huh, just about who he was in in Buffalo, the kind of offense he ran, the similarities with Kevin Stefanski, some of the differences from Kevin Stefanski. But I think the two things, assuming that they're not the same thing, I don't know anything matters more into the window and give us a good window into where the Browns are with Kevin Stefanski than who made the decision at offensive coordinator and what they do at play calling. And it and it and it goes right in line. The thing that is equally important, or maybe close to equally important, is 
what does that extension look like when Kevin Stefanski gets extended? Because I would be shocked that of all the things we're you know we're talking about Kevin Stefanski, big picture, state of the Browns, that kind of stuff. I would be shocked if Kevin Stefanski was not extended this offseason. It is so rare that coaches go into the final year of their deal as a lame duck coach. And usually when they do, it is an indication that they have to do something Herculean. They have to do something like Mike McCarthy going into next year as a lame duck coach in Dallas. Mike McCarthy better win a Super Bowl if he wants a, a, a fifth year as – or wait, is that – sorry, a sixth year as – because he's the same year as uh, Kevin. The sixth year is Dallas Cowboys head coach. Right, he it, that that's what that means in that context. Jerry Richard or Jerry Jones not giving him a contract extension to this point, assuming it doesn't happen, that is win or go home. With Kevin, I think you can infer it probably means the same thing. So I would be shocked if the Browns put him in that position because it's really tough. Like it's really tough to win in that kind of scenario, and it can compromise you in the locker room. You just kind of got your locker room back where it needed to be with going to uh, Greenbrier. That was a, allegedly a Kevin decision as well. But the thing that I – it's funny. I agree with what Jason Lloyd had to say about the Browns. I don't think play calling was consistently the issue last year. You, you just weren't healthy. You know what I mean? Like, if you, if you have to juggle five different quarterbacks – that's a lot, and the fact that the Browns were able to win games with two quarterbacks, one who had no business starting in P.J. Walker and one who had no business starting now in DTR, that's really impressive. What he did with uh, Joe Flacco was really impressive, and you can kind of see what this offense would look like with a quarterback that truly fit Kevin's offense, but fit matters, and that's where I think Jason and I tend to depart here. I think fit matters more than anything when you've got a quarterback that does that hasn't played up to your standard for him, his standard for him, whether it's health, whether it was suspension or anything else. Like Deshaun can listen, I believe in my heart of hearts, I think Deshaun is probably pretty confident that next year's gonna go his way. Because outside of the last two years, it's almost always gone his way. And I have I I believe that the Browns at this point they might have a kernel of doubt about keeping Deshaun healthy, but I bet you they're confident. Like no, he just needs to stay healthy, because that's the big takeaway this year, guys. The performance wasn't bad. It wasn't two hundred thirty million dollars good, but it wasn't bad. So I think everybody's confident they can make it work. But man, somebody has to be minding the store. Somebody has to be making sure that it does work. Because the consequences, you know, two years ago, we throw that away. Hey, he, he only played six games, end of the season, hadn't played for 700 days. You know, he, he picks up the, the ball for the first time in December where every defense has been building for the last 11 weeks, 12 weeks, 13 weeks. I mean, impossible situation to step in, right? And then this year, I played better. The injuries, you don't get – I mean, it's, it, I'm not to go too cliche here, not to use a baseball saying it's three strikes and you're out. And I don't mean literally out. I mean three strikes and somebody's out. Three strikes and there will be massive fallout if the Browns cannot get Deshaun on the field and sustained a high level of play. So it, it doesn't matter if Kevin is a good play caller. What matters is does, does Deshaun and does Deshaun's – skill set line up with what Kevin does as a play caller 
And I think it's okay if the Browns look at the last two years and go, well, those six games, yeah, some of that was rushed, some of that was this. It was wonky. You could tell that there wasn't a a through line in what Kevin wanted to do and what maybe Deshaun was comfortable with. The problem is that's a one-off. Problem is you go to this year and now it's two straight years. And even in games where they looked good, like the second half against Baltimore, it was electric. Yeah, let's talk about that first half. Well, that Tennessee game looked as good as he had. There were some rough moments in that. Even in in Pittsburgh, and I, I hate to continue to throw this out, the second and nine call where Deshaun's up against his own end zone and you do go into the, the shotgun there, hypothetically a situation, that that's what he wants, but you've got the lead, you're in Pittsburgh, it's primetime football week two, you're trying to steal a win or at the very least not blow a win because you've got the lead and you put him in a position where their two defensive ends can just tee off on him. Those are the kind of scenarios. Because the sample size is small, you might be overcorrecting if you're the Browns. But I, I'll tell you, it's it does matter to me whether Kevin Stefanski made the Ken Dorsey hire or whether it was the rest of the Browns. That's different than Jim Schwartz. When, when they hired Jim Schwartz a year ago, the basic thing is you just hired the right Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh, Defensive coordinator. And the more important thing was that you hired a defensive head coach, a guy that could allow Kevin to focus on offense. That was more important than whether Kevin wanted a defensive head coach or whether the Browns thought there was more value there. 
because it wasn't Kevin's side of the ball. If the Browns are to the point where they're dictating who's going to run Kevin's offense to Kevin, and maybe that's a little heavy of a way to explain it, but it is one way to interpret if they decided AVP wasn't here, if they, the nebulous, that what is it, the royal we, if they decided that Ken Dorsey was the right guy, those are the kind of things that can create friction. It did not with Jim Schwartz this year, right? It did not make, and, and by the way, there's some in-between room here between Kevin made the decision and quote-unquote they made the decision. It was an influenced decision by the organization that in the end, Kevin agreed with, right? It doesn't automatically, it's the idea of I, we're, we're so uncomfortable with uncertainty. We're uncertain about Deshaun. We're uncertain about who's going to call plays. We're uncertain about who's going to be the number two receiver. We're uncertain. We're uncertain. Guys, every team in the NFL has uncertainty. Maybe not to this level at quarterback with this kind of investment in a quarterback. Uncertainty isn't necessarily a bad thing. But because Ken Dorsey is an offensive coordinator, if they also decide Ken's not just going to draw up the offense, but Ken's going to go ahead and maybe call the plays, run the offense, even though I might agree with the idea that it's a good thing if they're they're trying to clean slate it, if they're doing everything they can think of to, to get everything out of Deshaun, I might agree with the theory, but how you go about it matters. And how you go about it tells you whether Kevin Stefanski's got one year of true stability, right? Or whether he's got five years because continuity is cool. It is. <laughs> I sound like uh, Billy Madison. Pee in your pants is cool. Um, continuity is really important, but continuity goes beyond just a guy has a job for four years or five years. Continuity is, the guy is empowered to do his job, and he's making some of these decisions. So I, I think I, I'm less concerned than it sounds like Jason is with, with who hired, who fired, who calls the plays. I'm intrigued. But that intrigue, like this is going to be one of those things where it's going to be, in, it should be in our heads and how we think about this team for the entirety of the buildup to next year. And the entirety of the season, as we watch whomever call the plays, whomever coordinate the offense, because it's going to be something we call back to a lot. All right, did Kevin make that hire? Did the organization? Did Kevin make that firing, or was it the organization? Because that's going to be where the pressure lies if, let's say, this move doesn't – let's say Deshaun doesn't hit the ground running next year. I think the NBA's fascinating decision to extend uh, the NBA draft that night into two separate nights, I got to say, fascinating, but I guarantee you they're not going to make it as cool as they could. So if you haven't heard about this, the, the NBA proved this. So the first night's going to be in prime time. The second night, I believe it's also going to be in prime time, but basically they're just trying to expand their coverage to maximize eyeballs on the sport. And so one of the things you're going to do is uh, NBA first round picks, it's going to be still five minutes a pick. The second round, they're going to double the time from two minutes to four minutes. And seeing that once we get into like pick 41, it's usually a Euro none of us have ever heard of. I think I found, I think I've cracked the code. I think I've got it. I think I found the way that you could make day two, round two, 
night two rather, of the NBA draft interesting. I don't want to hear from Woj that night the same way, unless they're trades, obviously big moments. I don't need to hear from Fran Fraschilla with, you know, oh, this, uh, this, this Euro, this, he could be something one day, maybe, who knows? No, the scouting reports I want on the second night of the NBA draft, round two, now four minutes apiece, are Brittany Renners. Think about it. Think about how much, how much more entertaining it would be if, I mean, she would give you the same information as Fran Fraschilla, but she would add more depth by talking about how attractive of a candidate that guy could be for her to try to have that next kid with. Think about it. Like, think just, I mean, because I know you're probably thinking this is a funny joke, but I mean... Well, he's, he's six foot eight. I've heard some good things on the street about him. I've heard he has some natural talents that could be really interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely on my big board of who might be the next NBA player that that I I get with. Like, I would change the game. I mean, Brittany's just the most. We could get one of the Kardashians. Maybe that'd be a crossover event with E. Like, I'm just saying. Like, if we really started to make the, I just think if you want to make the the second round of the NBA enticing, you can't just. Oh hey, we're gonna we're gonna throw out uh, Richard Jefferson for a second straight night. No offense to RJ. Give me Brittany Renner. Two one six four seven four double zero nine two. Thoughts? What do we think about this idea? So we were talking about the uh, the Browns. I blacked out. What happened? The the Browns and uh, uh, where the offense is going. And I realize there's one word that I don't expect to call the Browns offense next year. And I actually think you might not like it. But, you know, we played a little bit of Jason Lloyd from the morning show in the last segment, and we played part of his answer on on how questions remain on the Browns' offensive changes. And here's a a little bit more in-depth thought from Jason on why he thinks other things might have factored into the changes. I don't think he would make that so change. Did he on make- we don't have the clarity on that. I don't want to say something that I don't know 100%, but I have strong suspicions that this wasn't entirely his call. Yeah, I don't think. You think it was? You think he said, you know what? I've had enough with play calling. I think I'm done with it. Alex, you're out. I'm going to go find someone else I trust to call plays. And like Ken fits Deshaun because I was talking to people in Buffalo. Like Ken Dorsey calls all shotgun. Like that's what he does. And we know that's what Deshaun likes is all shotgun. Ken also is not a trick play gadget play guy at all. We know Kevin is. Kevin loves the trick plays. He loves the catch him off guard, misdirection, whatever. Ken Dorsey does not call any jet sweeps. Like running backs run the ball, receivers catch the ball, quarterback throws the ball. Mm-hmm. It's very basic. It's very bland. I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's the way that he has operated in Buffalo. So there are some stark differences. Now, you want to tailor your offense around your talent every time. Yes, of course you do. I would also say if you're a $230 million quarterback and you've seen this offense have all the success it is, if you're really that good, how can you not have success? in this system it's not a very hard system it's not very complicated um so that last part um is is a line of thinking by browns fans not just not just jason but by browns fans of well deshaun should just fit into the offense um i get it i understand why we say that that speaks to a lack of trust about deshaun and maybe some skepticism about why he struggled the last couple years uh the reality is the, the, the Cleveland Browns should do everything they can to build an offense that brings the most out of Deshaun Watson. And it it doesn't look like the offense Kevin Stefanski likes. Kevin Stefanski loves jumbo sets. We know that. He loves the uh, the Nick Harris in the backfield. 
Uh, he loves having, you know, he, he he trusts his quarterback to to have them turn their back to the defense, and those are not things. Oh, he likes a very scheduled offense, a very formatted offense, and the problem is none of those things are the things that Deshaun excelled at or were his best version of himself this year. So I, I don't understand the argument of, well, just make it work. Well, but Jacoby Brissett made it work. Well, okay, Jacoby Brissett's a completely different quarterback than Deshaun Watson. Well, but Baker made it work. Well, okay, Baker made it work for one year, and then there was the second-year struggles, which were not entirely about um, an injury. Uh, well, okay, but uh, uh, Joe Flacco made it work. Joe made it work for six games. And Joe stepped into a situation where he had an elite defense, where he had a pretty strong offensive line, even though the tackle thing kind of went to pot late in the season. Like, even though he didn't have Nick Chubb, even though he didn't have other pieces, like, yeah, Joe made it work for six games and then fell apart. So I, I think we get into this idea of, well, quarterbacks X, Y, and Z made it work, so then why can't Deshaun? I don't really think that's fair to Deshaun. I mean, the, the point of Deshaun is you treat him like a franchise quarterback. So if the offense does not fit the quarterback, it is mind-numbing that you would try and fit that quarterback into that system, especially if you try to do it for a third straight year. So I don't really get that part of Jason's point, uh, mostly because, no, go like if the Browns, if this thing doesn't work, it's going to be a talking point for the Browns for a very long time. And for us, it's going to be a talking point for a very long time. It's going to be embarrassing, all that. Um, there's going to be national pundits like Kyle Brand that do you know bits about it because they want it to fail. Now, by the way, I don't take that personal. It's okay. You, know, you, you can root for things to fail if you have valid enough reasons. Um, doesn't mean I'm rooting for it to fail. But I think the greater point here is there is, oh, hey, we tried really hard to make this thing work and it didn't work. And then there's, well, we tried, we kind of tried to make it work, but we didn't necessarily go all in. Eggs on your face either way, but it is especially shameful to make this kind of move, this kind of risk, and then go, yeah, but he just didn't fit the offense. That's, that's get you fired kind of logic. That is blow this thing to smithereens kind of logic. That is, that is honestly counterintuitive thinking of, well, but Deshaun just has to fit in the off. No. No, there's no franchise quarterback. There's no $230 million uh, situation out there that or quarterback situation out there that doesn't end in you building everything around that, roll everything rolling up to that quarterback and you making the most out of that quarterback. There's a huge talking point on why it took John Harbaugh three years, four years with Greg Roman before he went to Todd Munkin. Sean, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Uh, I'm, I just don't understand what the skeptic, what everyone's mad about. I mean, at the end of the day, like you look at Lamar Jackson, he became an MVP, like you just said, when the Ravens said, let's play to him. Deshaun Watson isn't Kirk Cousins. He's not a, he's not going to sit behind the quarterback, two tight ends, he wants to spread it out. He wants to throw 35, 40 times a game, and he wants to play it, and he wants to roll out on his own. He doesn't want scripted play calls, and this is the kind of guy that does that. If you look at Josh Allen, the way Josh Allen played, those weren't scripted run or like play calls. He threw it, threw it deep, threw it middle, 
he had Gabriel Davis to get the six-yard bomb, Stephon Diggs over the middle, and he just played naturally. Stefanski's not a natural play call. He wants you to play. Well, I think we lost you a little bit there, Sean. Sorry about that, buddy. Uh, we did not cut you off because you weren't. I, I was interested in the rest of your point there. Um, I think Stefanski is a natural play caller in his system, and I think I think he tried to add other elements this year, and it just I don't think he added enough, and I don't think he had added quick enough. Now to the other point, um, the kind of greater conversation about any I don't think I don't think it's just about well they like or dislike the Ken Dorsey hire. I think it's more. How was this decision made? Why was this decision made? And what are the expectations that this thing looks like? I don't think it's as simple as, is it a good hire? Yes or no. 216-474-0092. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 